0: The PSAs you hear on Miller & Condon and iHeartMedia Des Moines are presented in part by Nick Mick. We take care of our own. Now, here's Miller & Condon. Ken Miller. Trent Condon. Miller & Condon on 1460 KXNO. And now on 106.3 FM. All right. good morning everybody, welcome in it's Miller and Condon on a Tuesday Des Moines Sports Station 1460 KXNO and 106.3 FM Trent Condon, Ken Miller with you for the next couple of hours, talking sports with you, thanks for carving out some of your morning and spending it here with Trent and myself on the BMW of Des Moines guest list here today, a busy program, got a lot of ground to cover, a lot of different directions, we're going to head south first of all, uh, to Kansas City the Kansas City area, Blair Kirk off from the Kansas City Star, longtime columnist, will join us. We're we'll, uh, planning, anyways, on covering a lot of ground with Blair, the Chiefs, the Big Twelve, dot dot dot. With Blair Kirkhoff. I'm gonna get some Royals in there. Boy, those Royals, those pesky Kansas City Royals. They're gonna, uh, they're a major spoiler in this Central Division. Am I crazy to think that? Well, I, I, I'm
1: rooting for them here on
0: out. Oh, I'm sure. I'm Cleveland. a big
1: Royals fan. Yeah,
0: that's basically it. Because the
1: Tigers are still hanging around a little bit, especially. Mm-hmm. If the Twins continue in their 15-game losing, are the streak, Twins
0: hanging around? Or I'll oh, we'll get to that in a
1: second. 2.8 losses. Remember with the the season, every winner losses were yeah. 2.8. You have a six-game losing streak. Mm. That is very That's 15 impactful. plus. Yeah, in and my my Canadian math, Trent. That is
0: uh, not real good. Not real good. No. We'll get
1: into it though, and
0: I have some thoughts. Yeah, you should because that was an eventful baseball game for a lot of reasons. Wear my Expos and... hat, not my Twins hat today. Yeah, I see that. That's a great hat, by the way. It what is. a great logo. What a great Bring logo. Bring them back. I hope they do. Maybe not to Olympic Stadium. I got, no, there. No. I got there. I was glad I did. Olympic Stadium. Cold beer. Beer foie. <laughs> the, uh, the vendors had to use both languages. Are English and French. Are you fluent in French? Oh, God, no.
1: Did you guys no. take French in school?
0: No, I did not. Uh, yeah, we never, I should say that. Okay. Yes, we did. I wasn't we? really into it. We. <laughs> Yeah, so when people ask me, and I if, uh, can you speak French? I always un petit peu, which means a little bit, and that's the only thing originally I, I probably that I learned. Anyways, um, a long time ago. But uh, expos, great hat, great city. It is a great city. Is it? Montreal? Is a wonderful city. Now there's one even more that I want to get to. It's on my bucket list, and that's Quebec City. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's like going to Europe. I'm told uh, it's like going to Europe, but not having to leave. You know, the North America. Right, if yeah. you want. North America, better put. But, uh, um, yeah, anyways. But, but uh, Quebec is very nice. Montreal, Are they going to get an NHL city. team back? Quebec City? They should. Yeah. Um, the Nordiques? Les Nordiques. Yeah. Um, they should. But, um, of course, they're in Colorado right now, yeah. Colorado had a nice win last night. Uh, anyways, we are going to talk to Blair Kirkhoff. A sports wagering in Iowa is a year old, year and two weeks. Mm-hmm. A couple of weeks getting to this, but we're going to recap the first year of sports wagering with our friend Brian Arilko from the Iowa Racing and Gaming Commission. I'm assuming, Trent, that all those projections, both for what the properties thought that they were going to generate and what the state perhaps thought that they were going to generate on ta- in tax form uh, on those uh, on those bets. Um, so, I mean, it was all thrown out, right? Yeah, Once yeah. we got to March and, and sports shut down. So we're going to talk to Brian and Wilco. In the 11 o'clock hour... And talk some White Sox. How about that? A little Chicago White Sox. First place uh, White Sox. They indeed are the first place White Sox. Boy, that went last night. How, how good is this uh, Robert kid going to be, right? It's an, it's ridiculous. Oh, my God. He was terrific. He hit the game winner to walk off on Sunday uh, and yesterday caused uh, he's a major pain in the butt. But James Fagan from The Athletic, we had him prior to the season. We're going to have him back to talk about the first place White Sox. And then our friend Zuba Mehente from ESPN will join us. So we only uh, probably need to break a little bit early because I want to spend. A significant amount of time with Blair. If you mm-hmm. can keep us on track, that would be appreciated. But uh, you know, I want to start. I'll get your twins in a second because that was a fun game last night. We got a real big game tonight. Nuggets uh, going up against the Jazz. Niang squad, Monte Morris's squad, and did you see where that one got moved to? I did not. A B C, really? Yes, I missed Tuesday that. night, and A B C
1: uh, has the coverage of that one. Please well, I saw the t- the start time was a tick different. They moved it up a half hour. Oh, what so time do they go? I don't even know. It's 7.30 as opposed okay. to, we had seen the 5 o'clock, 8.30 yep. starts for these double headers that we've had here recently. This is now going to be 4.30 for Raptor Celtics, 7.30 for Jazz Nuggets. Want to so, be done in time for the local news, I'm assuming, yes, right? that is exactly right. And uh, so that's the direction they're going to go. But yeah, that's pretty cool. ABC yeah, abc got that. the coverage Not of that Not what one. you'd anticipate, Nuggets-Jazz being the big ABC game. On a Tuesday. It's a Game 7. Yeah right is it gonna reverberate i don't know i hope it's a hell of a game i do too i do because the I, jazz were by far the first four games mm-hmm. in the series they they should have really swept the nuggets
0: could have i mean you could make that, that, that case. game one yeah
1: the nuggets were lucky to get to overtime and then they covered in overtime which right. i had the nuggets I they pulled away about. by nine or yeah. something if memory serves but the jazz i thought i'll play them that game then the, the next three games the jazz dominated and then a switch has just been flipped. Mm-hmm. And a big piece of that, of course, is Jamal Murray and the ridiculous shooting That's that he has. Something. But it's so fun just being able to flip on these games, too, and see Niang out there. And see Monte Morris out there. And even, they're not playing 38 minutes a game no, or anything 20, like that. but 20.
0: They both played 20 minutes yeah. in the last game.
1: They're fun to watch. Mm-hmm. And, and it's good to just have that local connection. Awesome. It brings it in. It, it really does
0: make it, I think, even that much more important here on the local front. Of the two... I mean, I'm guessing the answer everybody's going to give is Monte Morris had the better. Did you think George Neon was going to play 20 minutes in the playoffs in the NBA? No, no. Of course not.
1: I I figured Monte Morris, I said as much as he was preparing for the draft, I said, that's a guy that you can put in the league for the next decade, and he's your backup point guard. You do not have to worry about that position for 10 years. You'd sign that dude, you can get a good second contract probably for him, and you don't have to worry about your backup point guard position because you know... He's going to go in there and know how to run. And not turn the ball over. And that's what he does. Yep. He is a perfect backup point guard in the league. George Yang, come on. I thought he
0: was a D-League. G-League player at best. Nice offensive player. Great story. Good guy. Yes. Going to be a fan favorite, even though he's going to be the guy at the end of the bench. He'll take over
1: for for Hefty on the basketball broadcast here in a couple of years. That was
0: the thought, yeah. And
1: now... He's gonna have to wait till his out.
0: basketball career is over, which is going to take a lot longer than we anticipate. Absolutely. Uh, so we're, we'll, we'll, I'm sure bring that up at some point, probably with Zubin as we go around the world of sports with Zubin. But uh, Monte Morris and George Nyang's alma mater, of course, Iowa State. News came out during our show yesterday. They're going to put twenty five thousand people uh, in uh, Jack Trice Stadium uh, for uh, a week from Saturday. And Trent, I mean, timing wise. Not the best of timing, right, to put that out on the same morning that the New York Times uh, identified I, uh, two cities in Iowa. Ames, number one, Iowa City, number two, per capita, uh, with the most uh, new infections of COVID-19. Uh, but Pollard, look, here's what I'll say. He's, I give him credits in one respect. He's putting his you know what's on the line. Mm-hmm. He truly is. This could backfire in a huge way, especially, you know, on the uh, precipice of... Um, uh, Travis Hines column in the Des Moines Register today. They did not reach out at all to Story County Health people. They were not consulted. Not that they would have had the final say. We know that that's not the case. But maybe you should have at least shown an interest in talking to the people that do this. <laughs> but they didn't, uh, but they're going to put 25,000 people in the building. This on the heels of this morning, Ames Community School District has decided to start the year virtually as the community tries to contain one of the nation's worst COVID-19 outbreaks. All right, so we know that he's got his you-know-what on, on the line. Uh, they're going to have 25,000 people. There's going to be no tailgating. I, You can't put up tents. I don't think you can put up chairs. Can you stand by your car and have a beer before you go in, I mean, will they patrol the parking lots once you get out of your car? That is you, illegal. Technically, that is illegal to do that. So you proceed right into the right into the stadium and you take your seat. I would guess so. No lingering, no socializing. At I get it. No, you mm-hmm. can't set up a grill. Mm-hmm. Right. You can't set up. You know the, the beanbag boards. Nothing like that. Nope. No bags. At, at least on Iowa State property. Private, private. Yeah. yeah, so so yeah. obviously different there. So we know what he's up against, but here's where I keep coming back. This is a loyal bunch. Mm-hmm. And I've said this for years, and I've been criticized for it. It's probably not the right, right way to put it, but I have. They do as they're told, Cyclone fans. Sure. They do. Yes, yeah. And Buy the tickets? Okay. Right. We need to buy the gear? Okay. Absolutely. They do as they're a loyal, loyal bunch. Pollard has said, and I believe it when he says this. I don't care how big the check you write the university mm-hmm. is. If you're not wearing a mask, if you're not following these guidelines, we're going to throw you out. And we're not going to watch you back. And I don't want to take your phone call that you write a check for, you've given this university, blah, 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 over the years. It doesn't matter. They want fans in the building to get its money. They need the money. Do. Everybody does. Yeah. Um, but I think if there is a school that's got a chance to pull this off... I think it's Iowa State. I really do. I believe this the bottom of my heart. I really do that they're a loyal group, and they will listen to their leader. Well,
1: and what he said yesterday, all we ask is that you respect others, follow our guidelines, and support the Cyclones. Very succinct, mm-hmm. and I think correctly put. You can argue back and forth. We can have the mass debate, but have the mass debate on your own time. You're on the Cyclones' time here. Right. And, and yeah. on the Cyclones' time, that's what you're going to do. doesn't matter what kind of uh, – piece of paper that you have that says that you can't wear a mask, then you can't go watch the Cyclones. Mm -hmm. It's as simple as that. Follow the guidelines, and I think you knocked it out of the park there. You're absolutely right. If there is a group that's going to pull this off, and it's not going to turn divisive, and it's not going to turn angry, Iowa State University and the Cyclone fan base, it is the one to do it. We're a week and a half away. Yeah, I know. week and a half away, and we're going to see 25,000 people Uh at Jack Trice. And I think they're going to pull it off. I do, too. And I think they're going to pull it off. Beautifully, and And, when it happens... There's going to be a lot of upset people in Eastern Iowa. There
0: is, Trent. There's going to be a lot of upset people here. There's going to be a lot of people uh, upset people in Lincoln. <laughs> uh huh. And uh and we'll get to that vote in a second, right? Because that was that was remarkable. That uh, I think it was the lawsuit that uh, precipitated yeah. the uh, the disclosure there. But um, so Iowa State, uh, good luck to you. I believe they're going to pull it off. I want to get more on the tailgating. Can you even stand mm-hmm. outside and have a beer before you go in, or do you park the car? Do you lock the doors, get out, and go right into the stadium? Once the game's over, you're back in your car, um, and and off you go to wherever you came from.
1: I think that's the way that they're at least going to try to set it up. And initially, another thing that Pollard said is, you do this right, we'll be able Mm
0: -hmm. to invite you back. Maybe invite more. Right. Do it wrong, nobody's going to be able to come in. Right. Kansas, no fans in Mm -hmm. uh, in week one down there uh, for their game. So uh, a fascinating story. We'll continue to watch it. And Pollard knows. Um, that there's a lot of national eyeballs on them. There's a lot of people that believing they're going, not. well, some hoping they'll fail. Um, but there's a lot of folks that believe that they will fail. We shall see. We got another question answered
1: that we wondered about, and that is, what is the 2021 Cy-Hawk game? Where is that game going to be played? Of mm-hmm. course, scheduled to be in Iowa City this year, not going to be the case. And right. because of that, some people speculated, well, 2021, doesn't it just stay where it was supposed to be this year? That's not going to be the case. It'll be back in Ames. So the 2020 game officially did not happen in any form or fashion. They will go on as scheduled in Ames in 2021. With it, uh, I do wonder will there be an extra year tacked on to the end of that contract? I hope so. Yeah, and and before they get a new four or six year deal, whatever uh-huh. it turns out to be, is another year going to be tacked on in Iowa City? And and the second part that I'm I'm at least pondering here a little bit. We heard that Jamie Pollard yesterday said he's had conversations with Gary Barta. What those conversations are like, because this makes perfect sense. I know there's some Hawkeye fans upset about it and thinking we got screwed out of a home game with Iowa State, but the way the schedules are set up in the Big Ten and the Big 12, you play your five road games the year that you have the other team at home. Same thing with Big Ten, Big 12. Iowa and Iowa State's schedules are set up in the correct fashion, so you're not going to have a year where you're playing six road games or just have six home games, so they haven't set up the correct way. I do wonder about that, and what that conversation's like between Pollard and Barta. Do we know what their relationship's like?
0: I Don't um, I have? Yeah, I, I really know no idea. Answer. I remember when we first got over here, and there was boy. Do you remember? I was going to Jack Trice and Pollard for that game. Up the tickets, to oh, like a yes. hundred bucks. Yep. And we had Pollard on that afternoon, and I asked him, you know, out of the courtesy, did you let Gary Barta know what you were doing? I didn't and this got taken because of the yay hole I was sitting beside, sure. right? Um, he thought it was, well, I wasn't asking, what do you mean? Do you want Pollard to ask Barta for permission? That's not what I said. Right? I said, did you pick up the phone and just call him? Because once that announcement was made... Barda's phone's going to ring off the hook. Absolutely. Amongst the uh, tickets that that their fan base mm-hmm. is going to get. And Pollard kind of chuckled. Oh, why would I do that? Of course, he was placating an idiot boy. Right, right. Um, but th- so but that's the only kind of interaction I know of the two of them. And that was what? That was a long time ago.
1: 13 years ago? Yeah, it was a long time ago. So these guys have worked They're together. They're competitors? Yes. But they know each other, they know the hurdles that each uh-huh. and the obstacles that each of them have. I'm going to guess that at least it's a working relationship. Absolutely, and, and they're scheduling, it's not just football, they're scheduling basketball every year. Yeah, Remember that game for years was played on Friday nights, the college men's game was played on Friday nights, yeah, and they moved sure. that back a day because of finals week and the way that it's set up there. you got to figure that they came together when the announcement came down. First of all, no home and homes mm-hmm. with Drake and you and I in men's basketball, but also the Big Four Classic, and then ultimately the big four classic going away you got to figure that that relationship's got to be pretty close i would think i would between think. the two but i just reading as through that as yesterday close as it can be right right, right. when they're, well, while they're still being be. rivals yeah absolutely and Pollard's still liking to well be the bear or poke the well, bear. Well, look, at Whatever I give him full credit for it. doing that. I, I
0: thought that's look, it's been great talk fodder over yes. the years when he put up those billboards. Billboard. And, and he brought, he made Iowa State fans, he truly did. He gave them a little shot of, not courage, but a little bounce in their step. Mm-hmm. You know what? Uh, pick your heads up, Cyclone fans. You don't have to walk around with your heads down. Pick your heads up. Come on, let's go. And. He's been good a lot of ways. Anyways, let's move on. I want to talk about your twins in this first segment oh. because that was uh, this is such Do a we fun have series.
1: To? I got so so upset last night. That's I was good.
0: Just... <laughs> it's, it's
1: good. I was, I was sitting there. All right. What would you have given to get upset in April? Right. That's <laughs> a great point. So the triple play that that's the first. Th- mm-hmm. I'm watching it, and I can't I can't figure out exactly what's going on. And I was reading through, and there was some you know, baseball descriptor kind of thing. If uh, if Rise would have thrown home and yeah. got the triple play that way, it would have been the first ever, or the first since 1892, four two. I think it was four two six three double pl- or triple play since 1892. Just absolutely ridiculous the way that that played out. But then they only got one out out of it. And then here come the White Sox, yeah. and you mentioned Luis Robert. Oh, my gosh. Hits the homer to tie it, gives yeah. him the lead late in, in the, late in the game. Just, I didn't know that this guy was going Oof. to be—I knew he was a really good prospect. Mm-hmm. But to see him come in and just absolutely mash from the get-go— And defense, too. And what's
0: what's the hole in his game? I don't know. I don't. He can't speak English properly yet.
1: They
2: had
0: to get an interpreter. I Mm -hmm. I listened after the game on Sunday when he hit the walk-off, and he had to have uh, an interpreter out there with him. So, I mean, I don't know if that's... Well, baseball
1: comes so easily, I'm sure. Right. He'll work in English, and he'll be speaking fluently by next year. Absolutely. Um, Guy's a stud.
0: Oh, gosh, he's so good.
1: This White Sox team, they are loaded. And the importance of last night, from my perspective as a Twins fan, I thought was so huge because they face a lefty. We talked about this Mm -hmm. yesterday. They they can't hit Mm -hmm. left-handers. Fry comes in yesterday. For the White Sox, they can't hit lefties, and with Keuchel going today, you're looking at another loss. You're looking at seven straight, and mm. all of a sudden the Tigers are nipping at your heels. The the hole on the
0: White Sox, we saw it in the second inning last oh, night. It was
1: bad. It was bad. The <laughs> defense <laughs> is <laughs> atrocious.
0: Yeah, it, it was it was not good. And um, but uh, the comeback is on. Look. I don't have a dog in the fight. I know it means something to you, and I'm glad that it does. Uh, this is going to be a fun rivalry, because these White Sox teams, their arrow is clearly pointing mm-hmm. up, Trent Condon. And the Twins
1: still pointed. do have plenty of young talent.
0: Well, and uh, here's the good news then. They get um, they get their pitcher back tonight. Mm-hmm. Panetta goes tonight. Yep. They're getting somebody else back. Odorizzi. Not- Rizzi comes back. Tonight. Buxton's coming back. Buxton, that's the one. And mm-hmm. Josh Donaldson. Donaldson tomorrow. Just think of that. Right? Just think of the four names we just mentioned that's there. That's trade deadlines, right? Yeah, that's pretty good acquisitions. That's that's
1: pretty... if. Yeah, if this is a normal year and you're getting those four dudes at the yeah. trade deadline, oh, we went out and did something. Yeah. The Twins didn't do something, but getting those four guys is going to go a long, long ways. The
0: White Sox are Hopefully. absolutely loaded. Twins, White Sox, going to be fun. Those pesky Royals are going to talk to Blair Kirkhoff about them. Boy, they, They're they not going to be worth a damn, but they're going to win some big ball games, mm-hmm. and they're going to factor into this race. Keks and iHeart want to help you with your bills. Text the keyword, BILLS. To 200-200 right now. It's your chance to win $1,000. That's bills to 200-200. You'll get a confirmation text and info. Standard data and message rates apply in this nationwide contest. All right, Blair Kirkhoff coming up next. We're going to save some time for our friend Brian Arilco from the Iowa Racing and Gaming Commission. Recap year number one of sports wagering in the state of Iowa. Miller and Condon till noon. Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. Ken Miller, Trent Condon, Miller and Condon on 1460 KXNO.
3: And now on 106.3 FM.
0: Welcome back. Continuing on in the uh, first hour of the program, Miller and Condon taking you until noon on Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO and 106.3 FM. Always grateful when our next guest can find time for us here in Des Moines. He's Blair Kirchhoff from the Kansas City Star, KansasCity.com. Uh, he joins us. We're going to talk, uh, cover a lot of ground here with Blair. Blair, Trent and Ken, thanks for coming on as always. How you been, Blair Kirkhoff? been great. Hope you guys are doing all right. Yeah, doing fine. Looking forward to the start of college football, at least in Ames. Iowa City can't say uh, the same thing, which is crazy, but uh, we'll get to that in a second. You know where I want to start with you, and it's those pesky Kansas City Royals who are going to play a significant role uh, in whoever comes out on top in the Central and how many teams uh, eventually find their way into the playoffs from the Central Division. Blair, I know this is going to be a year where there's no playoffs for them, and their record says that there's... They're losing more than they're winning, but boy, oh boy, this team has got a propensity, seemingly, to win big games. And there's some encouraging signs uh, for fans of this team when you look at that roster.
3: There is. That, that's you're right about that. Um, last night was it was a great example. They, you know, they had uh, they were trailing the, the Indians one to nothing in the eighth, and found a way to scratch out two runs and and, and, and beat Cleveland two to one. And I'm not saying that's not the type; of, they wouldn't win that type of game before. But um, you know, they they stood toe to toe with the, you know, with I think the best pitcher in baseball, and yeah. Beaver, and and then and the Royals matched Brad Keller against him, and Keller's been terrific for for the Royals, and he left the game down one nothing in the seventh. So they hung in there, and then got into the Indians bullpen, and were able to scratch out a win, and. Look, there, there, there are a lot of flaws with this Royals team and some really odd stats, too. I mean, they're, they, they, they've lost, I think this is right, they've lost rubber games of series, right? So games that are one apiece yep. going into the third game. They've lost 31 of the last 34 of those, dating <laughs> back to the last, <laughs> last two years. It's it's unbelievable, um, re- re- remarkable. But last night, they had lost their last, I can't remember if it was 15 or 16 games, that no, was more than that, a lot, lot longer than that streak of not winning when trailing in the going into the seventh inning, and they broke that last night. So there are some nice pieces here. There really are, and this team has a feel. It just seems to me a sense that this is where the Royals were a year or two before their pennant seasons in fourteen and fifteen. They, you saw some good things. You knew it wasn't a playoff team then, but. Uh, but if you, if you can imagine you know some some ideas and if they can make some good deals then maybe this is a team that can compete not next year but i think in 2020 from
1: there, uh, Blair, let's jump into Big 12 football. We saw the kickoff of football at the college level with an FCS game over the weekend. Just over a week away when the Big 12 gets started with their non-conference, the single one that they have this season. What's the conversation in Kansas City right now? And, you know, we're hearing about the outbreak in Ames and Iowa City here in our state. What are you hearing in Lawrence and Manhattan as they prepare for the season?
3: Yeah, well, there's, there's issues there as well in terms of uh, COVID outbreaks in Columbia, Missouri as well with Missouri and the SEC, and they're mm-hmm. starting two weeks later. But, um, look, there are outbreaks everywhere that colleges reopened, right? I mean, when uh, that's just, that, that was the nature, right? It wasn't unexpected, and, and, um, and now this, the, the college towns are dealing with all of that. And we kind of saw this in a, in a miniature version in June when athletes started returning back to campus, for summer workouts, you know, schools like Kansas State and Texas and Clemson and L S U to name a few were you know had spike in COVID cases and had to either shut down or reduce their practice time then we're seeing the same thing only a, bit, a little bit larger because it's all students and um and, and so Kansas responded by basically by saying just uh, you know late last week that no fans are going to be allowed in their you know, in their home football games. Now you can insert a joke here if you want, but, uh, um, but no fans will be allowed for at least for the first few KU home football, at least for the first one. They haven't made a decision beyond that. And so schools have acted accordingly. And listen, I'm just glad, I really am glad that the big 12 is trying to play football and other fall sports this year. I, um, I, I don't, you know, I, I don't, uh, um, the big 10, the decision of the big 10 and, and the pack 12. I respect that. I don't think it was the, necessarily the right one, but, but uh, I'm, I'm glad that the big 12 and, and the SEC and the ACC are giving it a go and we'll, we'll see if it works. You know, my guess is there's going to be some complications. Just like with baseball, if you're not playing in a bubble, mm-hmm. then you're going to have complications, and we've seen, you know, we've seen that throughout baseball, and I think we'll see it in college football as well.
0: You know, Blair, uh, one of the reasons I love having you on is we get to ask you a Missouri question. We don't have a lot of people that you know are up to the Missouri, but where I want to go with you is. When the SEC came out with their schedule and the crossover games that were put on the Tigers, played including crossovers with Alabama and LSU. And I know LSU's roster, they've lost most of their starters from last year, but we're talking about LSU here, who doesn't rebuild, they reload. But boy, oh boy, Blair, who did they get under their skin at the schedule maker uh, to put those two teams in weeks one and week three? Yikes. Yeah. Yeah. They, they
3: got the short end of the stick. There's no doubt about it. And, um, and and look, Eli Drinkwitz, the new coach, you know, first year coach, and he was at Appalachian State a year ago and did a really really good job there. Um, uh, said all the right things publicly, but you know, privately he was just seething at that, and just just a sign of look, you're Missouri, you're not a, you know, you're you're not a brand name in this conference. You're a first year, you know, head coach in this league. Here's what we're gonna do to you. We're gonna stick it to you. Mm. Um, and that's, that's what happened. At least that's my interpretation of what happened. And, uh, but in, in, um, in fairness to Missouri and Trinkwitz, I think just about everybody in college football, when it comes to coaching hot seats is going to get something of a pass this
0: year. Yeah, I agree.
3: It's, it is such an unusual set of circumstances. And, and, um, and, and so it's hard to evaluate this season objectively, like we do in other years. So. Um, if if you know Missouri flounders with you know with with outcomes uh, that we expect against LSU and, and Alabama, and that spirals the season, I don't think anybody's really going to hold that against Eli Drinkwitz, and and he'll get a he'll get a second first year mm-hmm. in in 2021. Oklahoma obviously
1: deserves the benefit of the doubt coming into any season when we look at the Big 12. Who do you like second? Are you buying the Texas hype, are you somebody that is jumping on the Iowa State bandwagon? Is it Oklahoma State? Who's that second team for you?
3: You know, I did a, I did one of the preseason magazines, um, and just on reflex, you always have Oklahoma first, and then it's always a, you know, it's a decision who to, you know, who to who to match up, who who to match them up with in the Big Twelve championship game, and I went ahead and, I did, I went ahead and listed Texas out of out of reflex, and and um, and. But upon further inspection, when I think about it more, I kind of like Oklahoma State better as, as as the the main challenger to OU. I just with all they have coming back uh, not on both sides of the ball, not just on offense, but on both sides of the ball, I, I think that uh, they've got more coming back than Texas does. And and if you add up the, the number of like NFL prospects, Oklahoma State's right there with anybody in the league. So, uh, but I do like I, I like Iowa State in the top three or four, I I don't know where, I can't, I think I had them fourth, but, um, but if you're, you know, if you're in the top four in the big 12, at least, you know, you're you're at least thought of, if that's the perception, then, then I think that there's absolutely every reason to believe that you you can be in the big 12 championship game. You can get one of those top two spots and get to, and and get to Arlington. So I, I think, I also what I, something else I like about Iowa State this year is the sour taste in their mouths. You know, I think they they for the first time you know last season under under Matt Campbell, I think they felt like they underachieved a bit, and and so I think they've they've got that extra motivation, and and, and which will help them get through this season. Although, it just is hard to talk about this season as anything like we we we've known, right? Uh, you know, what happens when a position group gets you know, gets infected with, uh, you know, with the coronavirus. Mm -hmm. But there's just so many variables that can happen this year. But, you know, if we're talking about under, you know, under semi-normal circumstances, I I do like the cyclones from a motivational, uh, you know, standpoint in terms of uh, uh, getting the job done because of what happened to them last
0: year. Uh, your thoughts on K-State, of course, their signature win last year was picking off Oklahoma. Uh, they returned their quarterback, but they were lo- they, uh, lose a lot of beef up front. Uh, is that the concern when it comes to Kleiman's crew in year number two for him?
3: It is. The offensive line is one place where you look at and and, and wonder how they're going to get it done. But I'm to the point with Chris Kleiman, even after just one year um, of thinking he's you know, he is a long term, you know, eight, seven to eight victory, a season sort of coach. Always, you know, you know, five and four or better in the Big 12. Just that kind of guy, um, and his staff. I, I, I'm, I'm high on him. And I, I think it's such a winning fit for Kansas State to have him as the coach there. No, that doesn't mean they're going to win eight or nine, seven or eight, nine every year. They'll have, Bill Snyder didn't do that, but, but uh, but I, I just think you can count on him. He's going to recruit to uh, to what it takes to win in Manhattan, and and he'll coach them up on game days in a way that uh, you, know, you mentioned the game Ken against Oklahoma last year. That was just a perfect example. Mm-hmm. If you look at the score, that ended up I think it ended up being a one score game, but Kansas State dominated that game, had a wonderful game plan, and handed Oklahoma its only loss until the, the postseason. So. Oh, I'm, I'm really high on him. I think Kansas State's in great. There was a terrific hire, and I think that program's in great shape for the long haul. A
1: couple of extensions in the works. Andy Reid, 62 it. years old, looking at a six year deal, but probably the bigger of the two, Brett Veach. Uh, the way that he has built this football team, culminating with the Super Bowl last year, a young guy that has a lot of uh, general managing in front of him, certainly. I don't know if Andy Reid will complete those six years, but getting Brett Veach locked up, I think that might have been the biggest one for me.
3: Yeah, no, that was. Uh, it, look, we we all knew that both of them were going to be around. Nobody, where are you going to go from you know winning a, a Super Bowl mm-hmm. winning team with a quarterback now locked up for the next dozen years? You're not going anywhere. This just <laughs> m- makes it official that you know Andy Reid and Brett Veach will be around for the first. I think, I think I think it's 2025 when when everything kicks in. So. It makes a lot of sense. And, um, and I, I think Brett Beach has had a remarkable offseason. The, um, once they signed Patrick Mahomes to, you know, what was announced as the richest contract of in sports, in North American sports history, a lot of us wondered if they would find a way to get Chris Jones signed and, and would they find the money? But the Mahomes contract was structured so that they did have money for Chris Jones and they've also taken care of. You know, uh, 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 Sammy Watkins and Travis Kelsey and and others. Everybody seems to be happy. There's a it's a you know contract wise. No, there's no disgruntlement in the in the in the locker room, and that's an amazing thing coming off of a of, of a Super Bowl victory. So now they're they're in um, they're in really really good shape. With um, if they don't win, it's not because they. You know they they couldn't they didn't go out and sign the right guy or extend the right guy. It's just um, it, it will be a failure on another level.
0: I got two more for you. One of them, John Thompson, I'm going to get to in a second, Blair, because I'm assuming your careers cross paths at some point. But just on the Chiefs and uh, expectations should be to repeat. I mean they've got that men, uh, that much talent returning. Uh, they've had a couple open practices over the last couple of weekends with limited fans in the stands. But when you look at this team, what would concern you? What's the I don't know if a flaw. The right word, but what's the what's the concern about this year's chief? Is is very tough to duplicate or to come back and repeat a, a Super Bowl title. What's the biggest hurdle?
3: Yeah, it hasn't been done since the the o three o four Patriots. So, and, and and that that includes a lot of good Patriots yeah. teams that didn't that didn't uh, they got to the Super Bowl but didn't win it. But um, I think if if you, the, I don't know if there's one area that you say could could dog them throughout the season, but one area that may be a concern early in the year is in, 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 the, in the secondary. They uh, a starter, Bashad Breeland, is out with a suspension, and um, starting cornerback they lost Kendall Fuller to free agency. So two two Super Bowl starters um, in, in the in the secondary, two corners are gone, um, and, and so the Chiefs are going to have to make do early in the year with um, with a little bit of a makeshift. At that position, and um, and and they face you know Deshaun Watson, the Texans, in the opener, and Lamar Jackson and the, and the Ravens are coming up soon, and they're the toughest part of their schedule may be the first four or five games. So um, I, I think yeah, I'll say what if the Chiefs get off to a good start, then I'll uh, that that'll be a, a, quite a compliment to Steve Spagnuolo, the defensive coordinator, and and, and, and getting this uh, this defense in, in in good shape early because. Again, the the schedule's challenging early, and that that backfield, that defensive backfield, going to need a, uh, They're going to have to make a little magic happen that uh, that that might not be expected.
0: Ravens in week three, all eyes are on that one already. And last thing for you, and Blair, we appreciate being as uh, you being so gracious with your time as you always are. Uh, John Thompson, uh, college basketball lost a legend over the weekend. I'm assuming that you've got a John Thompson story. You crossed paths with him at some point.
3: Yeah, a couple of times. Um, I was uh, it, when he was in the at the height of his coaching career, which was the the early to mid '80s at Georgetown. I was working in Virginia, in Roanoke, Virginia, so not 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 near DC, four hours away. But in 1988, he he was the coach of the Olympic team, and Virginia Tech had a player that made the Olympic squad that year as a guard named Bimbo Coles. So I went up to I went up to the um, uh, to the practice facility at Georgetown to do a story on this. And, you know, all I knew of John Thompson was he's this towering, hulking, mm-hmm. intimidating figure and presence. And I had never dealt with him or met him. And, you know, I was just a, you know, sports writer in my 20s having to ask him about, you know, just a puff story about a, a, a player, but I was still pretty intimidated by the idea. So I get up to the practice facility and he, I, you know, the, 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 you know, the, Officials make me wait, like, an extra hour to talk to him, and I think, this is going to be a disaster. <laughs> so he called, you know, so finally they arranged it so I can go into his office and talk to him. He could not have been more gracious. He could not have been a nicer person, and, um, and, and, you know, we were done in 20 minutes, and he apologized for being late and told me if I ever needed anything. He gave me his telephone number, and I just thought, wow, what a... What a contrast to what you hear and see about, you know, Hoya paranoia and um, and and all the Georgetown things. And the other the other thing about John Thompson was, you know, when the College Basketball Hall of Fame was in the planning stages, which you know, which exists in Kansas City next to the now T Mobile Center, no longer the Sprint Center. um, John Thompson was uh, he had retired from coaching, but he was part of the National Association of Basketball Coaches Foundation which really founded the, the Hall of Fame. And so I was actually in a meeting with him and Mike Shashevsky and uh, a couple of other coaches who the NABC really needed to have them get on board to support publicly and endorse the idea of a college basketball Hall of Fame. And he, he, he was really, really supportive about it. And he knew he had guys that he had coached that, um, you know, would never be in the Naismith Hall of Fame in Springfield, but, had great enough college careers that, uh, that this is a this would be a place for guys like him for players like he that he coached and and it has been so you know as usual you know the the public perception of somebody is just you know just vastly different than what you know you may have personally experienced
0: Blair Kirkhoff Kansas City Star Blair thank you appreciate it as always we'll talk to you in uh, oh in a few weeks we appreciate what you do for us Blair thank you have a wonderful hey. day. You too, guys. Great talk to you. Good to talk to you. Blair Kirkhoff, Kansas City star. Take a time out. Come finish the hour. Sports wagering in Iowa's, well, it's just a little more than a year old. We'll recap, not every day of it, but some of the I aspects. have some stories. You do? I'm anxious. Well, I've heard most of them, uh-huh. actually. So's the audience, but they're good. Uh, Brian Arilco from the Iowa Racing Gaming Commission joins us next. Miller and Condon until noon. Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. Want One- to have Rush on your side. All right. Welcome back again. Our thanks to Blair Kirkhoff from the Kansas city star. As promised, we're going to take a look back at the, uh, for the first year of sports wagering in Iowa it became legal middle of the month of August or so a couple of weeks late in doing so. But Brian and from the Iowa racing and gaming commission joins us to, uh, give his thoughts on, uh, on, uh, the first year of sports wagering in Iowa, Brian, Trent and Ken, thanks for coming on. Appreciate it. As always, Brian and how've you been?
2: Uh, I've been uh, doing really well guys. And, uh, it's always a pleasure to be here. Uh, so thanks for having me.
0: No, I appreciate you coming on, Brian. So the year, the sports wagering is a little more than a year old. Celebrated its first birthday in the month of August. But, you know, I guess when you you would look at the projections that most of the properties put out there as to what this was going to do for their uh, business, what it was going to do as, on a statewide basis, all of those projections were thrown out the window when the world changed uh, in the middle of March, just prior to March Madness. So I is it difficult to you know to really grasp what went right what went wrong and are we on the right path considering the circumstances the 2020 brought
2: yeah no you make a really good point ken and 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 i think uh going into this i think most of the operators were very excited uh, about the prospects of sports and not just the revenue that could be directly attributed to sports wagering but just the possibility of Uh, introducing some new customers uh, into their business. And so things really started off uh, um, quite well. Uh, The facilities that were able to launch in August or September of 2019 were very pleased with the results. Sports numbers were good. Uh, Casino numbers were good. Uh, We saw some Uh, really good numbers in November, December, January, it seemed like the market was really kind of hitting its stride. And then obviously, I know we've um, talked about this at length, but then when the pandemic hit, uh, things uh, really got turned upside down. And so um, many of the projections uh, that we're out there uh, and I don't think anyone expected to meet those and we'll be experiencing many things for the first time again this year um uh, as as we 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 go through football and then and then hopefully we have a have a basketball season and and get to experience uh, march madness uh, within our sports books in Iowa and and we'll do that all with uh uh, with uh, the in-person registration requirement going away, Huge. and so, so 2021 um, will definitely be uh, another year uh, to, uh, that we'll have to um, we'll see a lot of new things, and and will be exciting for for this uh, for this segment uh, of the casino business.
1: You know, another interesting part of that is it's not just going to be as simple as the books that we know that are open, and you know, the, the DraftKings up in Jefferson, and on and on and on. It's going to be different companies that aren't currently here making their way to the state do you have a number uh, of the number of different operators that are looking to get in here into our state starting January 1st
2: yeah Trent that is exactly right we we have already experienced uh, a high volume of calls and applications being submitted it it, it seems almost like uh, last year all over again <laughs> as people are gearing up. Uh, for the in-person registration to go away. And so we've had a couple of companies that uh, with their agreements or their partnerships have been approved by the commission, TSG, uh, uh, Rust Street. Um, There are a number of other companies um, that are more uh, driven uh, locally or or at least uh, by the corporate uh, casinos. For example, Penn Gaming will have uh, their company coming in. I know Uh, The majority of our facilities have expressed an interest on carrying a second or even Mm. third skin. And so, uh, you know, I don't think it's they're all going to hit in January, but I do think January, February, March of 2021, you know, it really is going to be a good time to be a customer in the state of Iowa because these books will be competing uh, for your dollars. No doubt.
0: Brian, that's absolutely huge. Brian and Iowa Racing and Gaming Commission. I'd forgot about the skin aspect, so I mean every correct me if I'm wrong, but every one of these sports wagering companies, they have to be associated with a one of Iowa's what is it, nineteen or twenty casinos, but and and most of them have partnered up with somebody, but they've got an extra skin, so theoretically that number could double, or if they've got, you know, three skins, that number could actually triple Brian.
2: Yeah, that's right. So Iowa law permits every casino to have two individually branded websites or skins, as most people in the industry call it. They can also request to have a third skin um, with the approval of the commission. And so uh, I think what we will see is the majority of the casinos will have two skins. Now, it's some of those uh, companies, uh, the corporations that own multiple casinos in Iowa, I don't think um, they will go from two to six right away, If, they, for example, if they own three. Uh, but I do think uh, now they're going to start expanding um, uh, their options for their customers, and I think that's really going to be the story uh, in 2021.
0: Interesting. Brian Arilco joins us, uh, from the Iowa Racing Gaming Commission. Brian, online wagering exploded in the state of Iowa, and I think it was on its way to doing that prior to the pandemic and, you know, uh, forcing everybody, uh, to remote wagering, if, um, from, from their, uh, from their mobile device. Did we underestimate how much, uh, Iowa Customers would want to bet online. I know when Prairie Meadows opened, we were all out there on, and, and they took a lot of criticism. Boy, they didn't spend a lot of money refurbishing the book. They put a couple of chairs and a couple of folding tables, and they called it good. But Brian, that's the way that the the business is trending, right? You don't have to uh, make the shiniest book because people are betting in the comforts of their living room or you know wherever they want. They're not going uh, to the. the these casinos for the most part, did we underestimate how big online was going to be?
2: I do think that many of the operators uh, underestimated uh, the percentage of revenue that will, uh, was going to be wagered uh, online. And so I think when we were researching this coming into last year, uh, we saw numbers out of New Jersey, and I think most people felt like Uh, our numbers in Iowa would be uh, at least that or greater as it relates to a percentage of uh, the the individuals that are betting online uh, uh, as opposed to retail. And I think people thought that because we saw – you know, New Jersey's numbers were, you know, every year there was a higher percentage of individuals that were betting online. And so I think it was just reasonable to assume that that was what the industry um, was heading towards anyway. Uh, but numbers in Iowa, if you just look at the overall yearly numbers, it was really only 60%. Uh, but that is misleading because a number of those, uh, uh, a number of the companies or the casinos in Iowa did not offer. Online wagering, and still, you know, for example, that Council Bluffs market does not have an online provider, and so as a state, Mm. we're sixty percent online. But if you look at casinos and just kind of take a surgical approach and look at casinos like Jefferson or Prairie Meadows, I mean, they they are uh, in in ninety percent of the bets are being done online, and so I I think that's where we're trending. And you're absolutely right. Um, I think. You know, Most people thought those numbers would be high, but I I don't think anyone expected um, that much.
1: Sports have opened up again, and uh, people are betting again, myself included. But there's no Big Ten football, and specifically no Iowa Hawkeye football this fall. Do you think that's going to impact in a small way, a big way, the bottom line? And maybe not even operators here, but you look to the east side of the state. How significant is Iowa not playing this fall going to be in your mind?
2: It depends. I think uh, uh, we, we know one thing we do not have is uh, is really uh, uh, a specific uh, amount uh, or data as to you, you know how much money was bet uh, on college football last year. What I have heard from most of the casinos is that uh, obviously Iowa and Iowa State football uh, is important for their books, but NFL. Uh, uh, football um is is something that they really need to have, and so I think um there will definitely be some impact but uh, uh but if uh, the books can offer nFL uh wagering i I think you know that will will help considerably.
0: Brian Arilco from the Iowa Racing and Gaming Commission uh, giving us a, a kind of a recap of year number one and sharing some information. I knew it was going to expand, Brian. I didn't realize the skins. That changes things. You're right. This is going to be – customers are going to be able to shop around for the absolute best line, which is a win for the sports better. Brian, thank you. Appreciate what you do uh, for us. So you're always there when we reach out, and we appreciate that relationship. Thank you, Brian Arilco. Appreciate it.
2: Yeah, anytime.
0: Thanks, guys. Good to talk to you. Brian DiRilco from the Iowa Racing and Gaming Commission. All right, Trent, Our number one is in the books. Uh, Whether you want to do this or not, we're going to talk White Sox.
1: You know, I I said this at the top of the show, just watching the lead dissipate, the triple play that wasn't a triple play. That was crazy. My blood was boiling last night. And it kind of felt good afterwards. Sure, you're into it. After the blood pressure went down a little bit. Because I'm just sitting and just... You clench up your fists, you yeah. swearing at the TV. Sports are back, yes, and, and getting pissed off
0: is back, and that's a good thing. Mm-hmm. That's a good thing for sports. Kepler fans. was part of the ire. Oh, yeah, that was brutal. Uh, brutal. Anyways, we'll come back. Hour number two, where Zuba Mahente is part of it as well. Miller and Condon till noon. Des Moines Sports Station, fourteen sixty KXNO, 106.3 and 106.3 FM.